I'm Mike Breen, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society, and I'm talking with Stephen Strogatz, who's a Jacob Gould Sherman Professor of Applied Mathematics at Cornell University and author of the recently released book, Infinite Powers, How Calculus Reveals the Secrets of the Universe. And one of the things that calculus did that Steve writes about in his book is uh, helping, or calculus and differential equations, helping to harness uh, HIV. Uh, Steve, can you tell us about that story? Well, sure. First of all, thanks, Mike, for having me on. It's a really surprising example of how calculus can be an unsung hero in fields that we don't think of as necessarily mathematical, like um, immunology or medicine. So this is the work that I like to focus on is joint work between Dr. David Ho, who was Time Magazine's Man of the Year in 1996 for helping to revolutionize the treatment of people with HIV, and also Alan Perelson, who is a mathematical immunologist at Los Alamos National Lab. And they had several collaborators working with them, but I'll just, for simplicity, focus on those two. So anyway, if you can remember back to the 80s, when it really seemed like AIDS was a, a tremendous plague, it, it very much affected gay men, but also people who had done blood transfusions and many other different populations, too. And it seemed at the time that it was almost invariably fatal, you know, that people would get HIV. And then the symptoms were sort of like for the at first you'd get infected and then feel sort of like you had a very bad flu for a few weeks. But then people would start to seem kind of better for a while. And then curiously, they'd stay fairly asymptomatic for years and years, up to a decade. And then finally, after something like 10 years, they would develop what doctors would call full-blown AIDS. And at that point, their um, immune system would crash and the amount of virus in their blood would explode. And, and then those people would be very, very sick. And within just a few years after that, they would die. And there was no cure. And there still is no cure. So um, the issue here is what was going on? I mean, what doctors found really puzzling was what's going on in that 10-year period when the patient seemed asymptomatic. There were certain types of viruses that were known to do things like that. Like, for instance, if you have genital herpes, you know, people have outbreaks, and a lot of the time they don't have outbreaks, they're asymptomatic. And so it's known that some types of viruses will just hunker down in cells in the body and not really, they're sort of hibernating. And so that was a question, is HIV hibernating during that 10-year period? So this was the big discovery that a new class of drugs became available in the, the 90s called protease inhibitors. And Ho and Perelson and their colleagues used protease inhibitors to probe the dynamics of HIV as it battles the body's immune system. I guess I should have said, and I didn't say it up so far, that HIV was known to attack special cells in the immune system, the body's T cells, which are really important components in fighting disease of all kinds. And so uh, HIV would lurk in the T cells and infect them and get them to make more copies of HIV. But anyway, the protease inhibitors were a new class of drug. There, there had been a class of drugs that did some job of interfering with HIV's replication, but the protease inhibitors really were sort of the miracle drug at the time. They would interfere with any newly produced virus particles and keep them from maturing so that then they weren't able to infect other cells. That was the mechanism of action. So they, they were a godsend at the time they were discovered. But so what Ho and company did was realize that if they could give patients these protease inhibitors, they could then measure the amount of virus in their blood. 
after administering the, this treatment. And they found that the number of virus particles in the blood, the so-called viral load, dropped exponentially fast after they started giving people protease inhibitors. And that was very interesting because seeing an exponential drop in the amount of virus in the blood gave them an idea for a simple mathematical model for how to, so this is where the math and the calculus comes in and differential equations. I mean, we, when we teach differential equations, we very commonly teach problems that have exponential growth or decay. And so using the very simplest model that you could teach to a first year calculus student, Perelson and Ho wrote down a model for the, you know, the viral load as a function of time but then they also, so they were able to measure from their data on the various volunteer patients what the decay rate of the virus was in the presence of this protease inhibitor. In other words, the body is flushing out the virus when it gets the help from the inhibitor that prevents the HIV from infecting new cells. And so at that point, all that's happening is just the virus is getting knocked out by the immune system. So having measured this exponential decay rate, they found to their, somewhat to their astonishment that the decay rate was so fast that it suggested that like half of all the virus particles in the bloodstream were being cleared out every two days. So this was an amazing discovery because it meant that HIV was not just sitting dormant. If you had believed HIV was hibernating inside of the immune cells, inside the T cells, that was one idea. But, it, you know, it seemed like the opposite was true. It wasn't that HIV was hibernating. In fact, it was getting cleared, every, like half of it would be knocked out every two days. The suggestion was that the reason HIV could stay at a uh, sort of a stalemate with the immune system, you know, where you'd have this asymptomatic period for 10 years, was that the body was clearing out HIV at an enormously fast rate, but also virus was being produced at an equally enormous rate. So that was the thing. It was, I mean, if you want to visualize it, think of like if you had a sink with water flowing into it and water is going down the drain. That's sort of like the, the virus being flushed out by the immune system. But if you also were pouring water into the drain, if you turned on the faucet at the same time as water was draining out, you could imagine a balance between inflow and outflow where there would be a constant amount of water in the sink and it would seem like nothing was happening was flowing in as fast as it's flowing out. That was kind of what was happening during those 10 years, Ho and Perelson realized, that, that virus particles were being produced at a tremendous rate and being cleared at a tremendous rate. And so from these studies, they were able to conclude that there were something like about a billion to 10 billion new virus particles being made every day. That was what calculus revealed. And, and why it was such a revolutionary thing, medically speaking, is that it overturned the idea of hibernation and said, in fact, there was this pitched, furious, all-out war being waged between the immune system and HIV every second of every day for 10 years with the body fighting HIV to a near standstill. And so that changed the way that doctors treated HIV. Once they realized this, you know, the old idea had been you shouldn't give whatever drugs were available until the person had full-blown AIDS because you didn't want them to develop resistance to the few drugs that were available. But with the new thinking, given that HIV was in this terrible, feverish battle with the body starting from day one, that overturned the old thinking and said, well, we should actually give whatever drugs we have as soon as we detect infection to give the body a chance of fighting back and prevent the immune system from getting destroyed. So as we now know, this way of treating HIV, not just with protease inhibitors, but with a cocktail of three drugs at the same time, 
that has made HIV into a chronic illness, sort of like diabetes, you know, that can be managed if you have access to the treatment rather than a almost invariably fatal disease. And you mentioned that, I hope I didn't interrupt you, Steve, but you mentioned the three drugs, that had some math to it as well, because that involved probability, right? The- Absolutely. It, it became clear once they saw that there was this feverish pitched battle taking place every second of every day, it became obvious why no single drug would be sufficient or why the body would develop resistance very quickly, or really HIV would develop resistance very quickly to any single medication. It's just because the virus is replicating so rapidly and mutating so rapidly that it could escape essentially any single drug that would be used to treat it. So Perelson used probability theory to estimate quantitatively how many drugs would you have to use to keep HIV at bay or to beat it down. So using the new data that they had about the mutation rate of HIV and the size of its genome and their new estimates for the number of virus particles that were being made every day, Perelson could show mathematically that HIV was generating every possible mutation at every base in its genome many times a day. So why that was significant is that even a, you know if even a single mutation could confer drug resistance, then there would be really no hope with just applying a single drug. So you know the natural thought is try to hit it with two drugs at the same time, and maybe the odds of it doing two simultaneous mutations would be much more favorable for the patient. And that's true. It would be better. But Perelson's calculation showed that you would still get a sizable fraction of all possible double mutations occurring in HIV every day. But then finally, with three drugs, he showed that would be the secret. That'd be the ticket, because then the odds against um, HIV doing three simultaneous mutations were something like 10 million to one against HIV being able to undergo the necessary three mutations to escape a triple combination therapy. And so, as we all know, that is the the therapy that is used now. The three-drug cocktail has become the standard of care. And when they tested it on their patients with HIV clinically, the results were amazing. The amount of virus in the blood dropped about a hundredfold in two weeks. And after a month, it became undetectable. So, you know, at first there was hope that maybe this was a cure, but it didn't turn out to be. HIV wasn't eradicated by this because the virus could rebound if the patients took a break from their therapy, which is very tempting, you know, because there are side effects. So the patients often try to go off their meds when they feel better, but that's a really bad idea because HIV can hide out in various places in the body and then rebound if it's not kept beaten down. So anyway, Even though this combination of math with probability theory and calculus and clinical studies was really a remarkable breakthrough at the time, it didn't cure HIV, but it did make it manageable, and it gave people hope where until that point, really no hope had existed. Right. It's really an amazing story, and it's nice that you uh, brought it to light. Now, is there anything you'd like to add, Steve? Well, yes. So I focused on one team here, this, this team led by Ho and Perelson, but There were other teams doing similar work at the same time. So there was a group led by Dr. George Shaw, and also his mathematical collaborator was Martin Novak, and Sebastian Bonhoeffer helped. So they had published their work around the same time as Hohen Perelson and company published. And so probably we should be giving credit to both. I mean, they really had similar insights at around the same time. But the main thing is that it's been a godsend for patients and it really gave us a lot of insight into the power of math used in combination with immunology and, and medicine. 
All right. Well, well, Steve, thanks very much for explaining that. That's Steve Strogatz, who's the Jacob Gould Sherman Professor of Applied Mathematics at Cornell University, and he's also the author of the book Infinite Powers, How Calculus Reveals the Secrets of the Universe, and he just explained how it, it, it did a lot helping uh, people with HIV. So, Steve, uh, thanks very much, and good luck with the book. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure to be with you.